Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. exciting Easter Sunday it was together with Oasis Church and the number that I heard was 467 which is awesome and that includes kids you know a lot of churches don't count kids but we count kids because we think they're every bit as important and uh, loved by the Lord and so 82 children uh, as part of that 467 um, God is at, at work and again just want to share how exciting it was to be able to baptize Sherry and Emily um, one of the signs of life in a church is that uh, that it's kind of wet around the baptistry, right? That's just a sign of life. And since January 26th of this year, we've seen, in the last 13 weeks, we've seen 14 people take that step of proclaiming their faith through baptism. And it's just an exciting time to be part of what God is doing. By the way, some of you, uh, anytime we baptize someone, I know there's people that go, man, it, you know, God's been stirring in my heart. And, and, and we believe that baptism is a response to the work of God in our lives. Uh, that it's not a religious ritual or, or something that we do because the church asked us to. It's when the Spirit of God draws a person to himself through faith in Jesus and they go, I want to demonstrate that that happened, right? We don't get to see what's happening in the soul, but that person comes and says, I want to demonstrate that this work has been done in my life through faith. And that's what baptism is. And, and I, we, I always hear people going, man, it was when this person was baptized, I started thinking, hey, I've never been baptized and maybe it's time for me. And so I want to let you know if God is drawing you in that way, we'd love to have conversation with you. We can do that anytime, uh, but we actually have a baptism coming up that's pretty cool and pretty exciting. May 23rd, together with our John Young campus, we're going to head to the beach. We didn't get to do this last year. This is typically an annual tradition and there's going to be dozens and in some cases more than 100 people that will take that step of baptism in the Atlantic Ocean. And if it's not so much about where it is, but it is a cool experience. And if God's drawing you and stirring in your heart for that, talk to us about that. You'll hear more in the coming weeks. Last week, as Pastor William was sharing um, on Easter Sunday, he, he talked about some of the defining moments um, that happen in a person's life. And William, that triggered a thought in, in my mind. One of the things that I love doing as a pastor is walking people through the defining moments in their life. It's a funny thing because when you're a teenager, as I was, and God calls you into the ministry, uh, what you think you're going to be doing and what you actually do are often very different. And one of the things as I've grown into the ministry God's called me to is to realize that one of the things that people really need is somebody walking them through the big moments of life. So you end up doing a lot of weddings, you do a lot of funerals. The things that, that weren't what excited you about getting into ministry, but you realize those defining moments are important in the life of a person. Pastor William referenced weddings, birth of a child, graduation. Those are defining moments in the life of a person. But some of the most defining moments in our lives are not things we knew were coming. They weren't things we put on the calendar and things we prepared for, correct? I've shared with our Horizon West family that when I was 15 years old, uh, God kind of ambushed me at a place called EJ's Cafe in Sebring, Florida. When an acquaintance, not even a close friend, but a guy named Matt, who was one year older than me, shared about a recent experience that he had had of coming to faith in Jesus and how his life was transformed. I had been in church probably five times a week, every week since the day I was born, and I had never heard someone my age talk about Jesus that way. 
And so I went home and I opened up the Bible and I started reading John. And I didn't stop till I got to John chapter 10, verse 10, where Jesus says, the thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And something in my spirit, by the work of God's spirit in me said, yes, this is true. <laughs> that abundant life, life to the fullest, would only be found in Jesus. It became for me a defining moment that I didn't know was going to be happening in my life. Fifteen years later, I had another defining moment when as a uh, brand new dad and a pastor, I was wrestling with sin that I had not fully exposed to anybody in my life. And I sat across from a, a dear and a trusted friend. I think we were at McDonald's. Maybe that's part of the confession that I need to make. But we were sitting at lunch and he said to me, Chris, and this was First John 1, 7, he said, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And later that night, trembling, I entered into confession that needed to happen, and God began to redeem and set free. These were defining moments. I, I didn't look for them. I didn't invite people to be part of it. They, they just snuck up on me. And you've had those moments as well, I would guess. Tonight, we're going to look at the def a, a defining moment in the life of one of Jesus' disciples. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew 14, and I, I believe we'll have it behind me, but if you've got a Bible or a Bible app, I want to encourage you to follow along there, and you can read uh, with me as, as I do. Uh, so what I want to do is talk about this defining moment in the life of one of Jesus' disciples, and then I want to share five, uh, just what I think were defining moments in the life of Horizon West Church. You might have your own that I don't know about, but, but from my vantage point, I want to talk about five, and then I'm going to end the evening with a, a conversation that I'm looking forward to having. And so... Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 29. This is what it says. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, don't be afraid. Verse 28, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Now by this point in Matthew chapter 14, these 12 men, these disciples have been walking with Jesus for about two years. They have seen Jesus heal a leper. They have seen him calm a storm, uh, deliver a demon-possessed man, heal a paralytic, raise a little girl from the dead, heal two blind men, and more. Those are just some of the highlights of the things that these disciples had a, a, a front row experience for. And then in Matthew chapter 10, we learn that Jesus has commissioned the disciples. He's basically said, hey guys, my mission is now your mission. And he commissions them out to the cities to proclaim the good news of Jesus, repentance, and the kingdom of God. But the disciples, like many of us, are slow to catch on. They still don't fully understand what Jesus has done and what Jesus is doing. To them, they're still just front row uh, audience. Jesus is inviting them into full participation. And so this is where we're at. Uh, Matthew 14, Jesus has just... Uh, had an experience where 5,000 people uh, are, are fed off of one meal, five loaves and two fish. 
Now, let me ask you a question. This is, I always love to do this when I'm talking, and I'm not going all the way into that story, but you probably have heard about the miracle of the fish and loaves, where a little boy brings his meal and Jesus breaks it. So let me ask, and I think I just gave it away, how many people did Jesus feed then? Did I say it? Okay. Well, I tricked you because Jesus didn't feed anyone. What? Okay, that was the trick. You know who fed the people? The disciples. Whoa. Okay, hold on. If you skipped over that, you missed an important part of what Jesus is doing here. Now, Jesus breaks the bread. Jesus does the miracle. The, the, the miracle is not the disciples, but Jesus says to them very clearly, they're like, hey, Jesus, the people are hungry. And you know what he says in verse 14? He says, you give them something to eat. Disciples are like, we don't have anything to give them. This is how it works. Jesus does the miracle and then he puts it into the hands of the disciples to distribute. And what he's doing is, again, he's inviting them to full participation in the redemptive work that he's doing in the world. Jesus is inviting the disciples to understand what we talked about just a few weeks ago in John 17, that as Jesus, so they. That as Jesus is loved by the Father, so they are loved by the Father. That as Jesus is set apart from the world, so they are set apart from the world. That as Jesus was sent into the world to redeem it, so they've been sent into the world to proclaim the redemptive gospel of Jesus Christ. As Jesus, so they. And eventually, they would. They would heal paralytics. They would cast out demons. They would even raise the dead. The story of Acts is the disciples stepping into the power of God's Holy Spirit at work in them to do the mission God had called them to do. But here, in Matthew 14, there are just 12 guys in a boat on a lake trying to figure it out. What would you do if somebody you looked up to and respected suddenly became somebody that blew your mind? <laughs> right? Like, this is their teacher. They believe what he says to be true, but now he's walking on a lake. And they have the reaction that we would have. They're afraid, and yet one of them has a different response. You saw it, I'm sure, in verse 28. Let me read it again. But Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. This is going to become a defining moment in the life of Peter. Peter was a fisherman, and so, you know, everybody is comfortable on the shore, right? Like, unless you live in California where there's earthquakes all the time, like, as long as I'm on dry ground, I'm good. Peter was good on dry ground. But as a fisherman, Peter was also comfortable in a boat. The only place Peter was not comfortable was on the water. He, he, he wasn't a, a guy to just go out and, and do this. No one had ever done that in the history of the world, and yet Peter's going to step outside of his comfort zone to get to Jesus. Now, often... This story, this Matthew 14, is framed as a story of courage. That where the other 11 were afraid, Peter had courage. I don't think it's a story of courage. I think it's a story of obedience. You can't miss this or you miss the whole thing. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, command me. Ooh, that's interesting, right? See, there are a lot of courageous people who step out in faith to do really stupid things. Do you, do you understand that? They go, man, I'm just going to, we're going to boom and lots of courage. But if you ask them the question, did the Lord tell you to do that? Oh, kind of, I, I, 
Peter goes, I'm not getting out of the boat unless you say, come to me. Faith is not about taking big risks. It is about obeying the directives of God. And Jesus, as the exact representation of God in the world, the voice of God, the the very word and flesh of God, he's going to give this command, this directive, and Peter is going to get out of the boat. You probably know the rest of the story, but in case you don't, Peter is going to take his eyes off Jesus. He's going to start noticing there's wind and there's waves, and he's going to begin to sink, and Jesus will catch him. And the story ends with Peter being soaking wet, but in the arms of Jesus, while the 11 are bone dry, sitting in a boat without him. Now, there are so many ways that we could go with the story. I'm not really going to go any of them. I want to go a different direction. I want you to see the bigger picture here. Peter saw the opportunity that the others missed and got to encounter Jesus in a way the others didn't. All 12 of those men saw Jesus walking on the water. All 12 of those men heard Jesus say, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. But one of them responded in faith to get out of the boat. And I don't know this, this is just my imagination, this is not scripture. But nothing tells us that Peter was on the edge of the boat. Like, what if Peter's further back in the boat? And he's like, hey, Thomas, can you move? And hey, Judas, you need to go to the back of the boat. Like, and he comes over and he says, hey, Jesus, like the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, send me. I, I want to be where you are. I, I want to step out in faith. And Peter has this life encounter, this defining moment that's going to change the trajectory of his entire life. My desire for us as Horizon West Church is that we live with one foot out of the boat. Not, 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 not being crazy, not taking unnecessary risks. But we're going, Jesus, when you say it, I'm ready. I'm leaning in. Peter needed to get to that place because one day Peter would get to a place where a Roman soldier would say, do you still proclaim a resurrected Jesus? And Peter would say, unlike he, the time he did when, when Jesus was crucified, Peter would say, yes, and tradition tells us, uh, church tradition tells us that Peter would go to a Roman cross and suffer and die for his faith. But first, he had to put one foot out of the boat, and then the other. This is what I desire for us at Horizon West Church. I want to give you five what I believe were defining moments in the life of our church. Some of you are newer to us, and some of these moments you haven't been part of. I promise you there's a lot more coming, so hang in there. But here's five that as I thought about it this week ago, these were for me, again, you've had your own, but for me, these were defining moments in the life of Horizon West Church. The first, and I hope that Jim and Holly Dotson are watching because we had a gathering on June 3rd, 2018 at the Dotson's home that was a defining moment for us. In fact, I've heard some people say that this is the day that Horizon West Church was born. We had not yet launched weekend services. We'd had a few gatherings, but something happened that evening when more than 100 people came out to the Dotson's property and shared fellowship and food together, and we were led in worship, and I shared some things, and I had a a verse that I was going to be speaking on that evening, just really briefly. It was like a five or seven seven minute talk. Um, Okay, it was probably longer than that as a preacher, but um, but it was it was brief. And Jim and I had not communicated that there was no way for us to to engineer this. But the verse that God had given me, not just for that evening, but kind of the the verse that God had given me as just kind of the overarching and overriding verse for that season when we were getting ready to launch the campus. 
Psalm 127, verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, the workers labor in vain. And I went, well, me and my team are working way too hard to labor in vain. <laughs> like, I, I don't want this to be, I, I want the Lord to do this work. I want the Lord to build this house. And so I'm walking the property at the Dotson's home before uh, the people start coming out, and I see a tree house with a sign on it. Jim has since moved, and he uh, handed this off to me. But I want to show you this sign that was on their treehouse that night. Unless the Lord builds the treehouse, the builders labor in vain. To me, that was confirmation of what God was doing. That, that he was building something, that he was birthing something that he would bless and that he would use in the community and in the world. Let me tell you a second defining moment. The, I'll go to the obvious one. September 30th, 2018. Uh, we opened the doors of Sunridge Middle School. We had had two kind of practice sessions with the volunteers. We had to get used to getting up at 4.30 in the morning and, and unloading the truck. And there were way too many injuries that I don't really want to talk about along the way. But, but September 30th, 2018 happened and we opened the doors and people showed up. The air conditioning didn't, but people did. <laughs> right? People did. And that not only launched our, our campus uh, from a weekend service perspective, but that began a partnership with Sunridge Middle School that God has blessed in tremendous ways. Uh, you need to know that to this day, we are in ongoing conversations, doing things to bless teachers and faculty there. Uh, we continue to have a mentoring program. Austin, our director of missional communities, runs Point. We're not even able to be on the campus right now. And so we get on, what's the, the platform? It doesn't matter. We, it's not Zoom. It's, it's a different one. Sorry, what is it? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, but but it's, it's virtual, and we're, we're sitting there, and, and Joanne and John and, and Austin and myself and various, and Michaela, and we're one-on-one and -on -one over video, adults that have never met these students, but we're getting to build into their lives and, and mentor them. And we've been doing that. We had to break for COVID. But we've been doing that since almost the beginning of the launch of our campus. Here's a third defining moment for us. Our one-year birthday, uh, September 29th, 2019, because we needed to do it on a Sunday, so we celebrated a day early. And that morning, if you were part of this, you remember that we kicked it off with a volunteer breakfast. There was like 80 or 100 people sitting around tables, and, and, and we didn't normally get to do this kind of thing because we always had two services, but on this Sunday, on this one-year birthday party, we just had one service. And for the first time, we saw what it looks like when everybody from both services comes together, and there was a ton of people. And it was like, Wow! Look at what God has done in just one year. And we celebrated together and we baptized and we rejoiced in what God was doing in us and through us as a church. And we had another defining moment on March 13th, 2020. And if the others had all been really sweet and good and positive, this one certainly didn't feel like it at the time. It was a Friday. I had met with our deacons earlier that week on a Tuesday and we had a whole lot of things we were putting in the pipeline and planning and working on. And that Wednesday, I'm at the Starbucks in Hamlin, and I get a notification that the NBA had suspended its basketball season. And I went, ruh row. <laughs> that's, that's kind of a big deal. And within like 48 hours, the entire world was shutting down. And I'm at Animal Kingdom with my family that Friday, and I'm on the phone with leadership at John Young, and we're trying to figure out what do we do. And William, you remember, we, we were talking, and other pastors going, what are you guys doing? And we're like, I think we're going to meet. And by the end of that day, we're all like, no, 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 no one is, no is going to meet this weekend. And I remember thinking, man, what if this goes for like three weeks? <laughs> how, do, how, how do we keep a new church together if we can't meet for three weeks, you know? 
That's going to kill all the momentum. And then three months went by. Other churches started opening. And we went, well, we're in a school. We can't get back in. Where do we go? And, and Pastor DL at, at the Presbyterian Church, he said, man, you guys can meet here on Sunday nights. And we did that a couple times. And then William and Shiloh, we started talking and going, what about meeting there on Saturday nights? And we worked all this out. So three months of no in-person meetings. And then, and then three months of, of still no in-person meetings. And then all of a sudden we're together on Saturday nights. And I'm going, man, are people really going to come out on a Saturday night? week after week. I mean, we got, we got volunteers. Like, we, we can't just open the doors. Like, we got to have people get here early and stay late. And this is prime real estate of our time, Saturday afternoons and evenings. But again, God began to bless. And, and one of the ways that God was blessing was the partnership with Oasis Church, where we were able to do food drives together, and we were able to, to do fall festival together, and Christmas Eve service, and, and then Easter, and, and spring fling, and every time we turned around, it was like, man, these churches are aligned. These churches have the same heart, the same mission, the same passion to make the Lord known in our world and our community. So let me give you the fifth defining moment. Next Sunday, April 18th, these two congregations are going to begin the process of becoming one church. This, some of you have, yes, you can applaud that. This is not something that's reactionary. We've been in conversations for several months. We've talked with our leadership teams. We've bathed it in prayer. Um, and like Nehemiah experienced, we faced some opposition along the way. But we believe God's called us to build. And so beginning next Sunday, we're going to have two service options, Sunday morning, 9.30 and 11 o'clock. And you're going to hear us say things like, Welcome to Oasis Horizon West Church. And you're going to go, that sounds a little lumpy. And we're going to go, it doesn't matter. <laughs> At least not for a little while, right? Because we recognize these are two distinct congregations. They, they've got their own histories, incredible histories. In fact, longer histories. And could stand up here and, and talk about 10 or 15 defining moments in the life of Oasis Church. But from here forward, our defining moments get to be together. As God marries these two congregations in becoming one church. So we're going to end this evening this way. I've invited pastors William and Shiloh to join me on the stage as you guys come up and get situated. Can you guys help me welcome them and thank them for being here? Yeah, good to see you guys. So I've prepared a bunch of questions, but knowing us, we'll probably go off script. I'll, I'll do my best to, to keep with it. One of the things that's really important for me um, is that you guys begin to get to know William and Shiloh, um, in the same way that they've gotten to know me and Nikki and kind of gotten to know our church a little bit over the last several months. And so uh, we're not just going to kind of talk about church stuff. I also want to ask you some other questions. So, so let's start here uh, as, as briefly as possible, but, but don't, you know, tell us your stories of coming to faith and of being called to ministry um, kind of a, a, on that front of things. Start there. All right. Well, I accepted the Lord at four years old, so I love that we count children Absolutely, here because yes. the Lord does things when you're four, right? And uh, felt called to ministry, preach and teach when I was 11 years old, so I love seeing all the little ones here. God speaks and calls at young ages too, so uh, that's kind of my story, and then eventually, I mean, it's pretty brief, you know, kept going with that, but yeah. his is much more interesting, <laughs> so we'll, we'll give him time. <laughs> Well, do you notice that we're the same? 
color of shoes. Yes. Three of us. It's meant to be, man. It's meant to be. Absolutely. Another defining moment. Yeah, it was a defining moment. <laughs> uh, yeah, I um, gave my life to Jesus at the age of 12. Um, and then at the age of 13, I received my call into ministry. And it was, uh, if you're familiar with Nigeria, we have northern part of Nigeria, we have a middle birth, and we have south. Um, in the north, we have predominantly Muslims, mm-hmm. and, um, and there's some persecutions uh, if you're part of that. Um, so at the age of 12, there was a religious crisis, and mm-hmm. our house was burned completely. And uh, I remember coming back from school, and we ran, and we stayed in the, uh, out of city for three days, mm-hmm. and we came back, and uh, all I saw was ashes. And I remember sitting there at the age of 13 and asking God, why? Yeah. Uh, why will you let this happen? And, and I heard a voice, not, not audible, but something in my spirit that said, um, the only thing that can stop this is love, hmm. and my love. So right. go on love. Wow. And, uh, and that just started my journey hmm. of um, spreading the love of Jesus That's all awesome, over man. the world. That's awesome. Speaking of spreading the love, spreading the love. tell us the story of your love and your journey. All right, this is my story. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we actually met a little bit later in life, and as you can see, God had something to say about that. The lights yeah. just shook a little bit. Um, I was 30, and he was, no, we got married when I was 30, and you were 34, and not 24. <laughs> You're an old man. Uh, that's a whole other story. We really don't know how old he is right now. We okay. just, uh, he could, right? It's debatable. It's right. debatable. Yeah, we'll we don't really know then, his yeah. birthday. So um, we actually, I was pastoring in Nashville, and he was pastoring here in Orlando. Um, he came here as a missionary, and I was actually a missionary in seven different African countries before we met. And God had us meet long distance, and we dated long distance, and then we were kind of like, well, we're old, so <laughs> where are we going with this? <laughs> and uh, we got engaged, and we got married 11 months after meeting. Oh, this is the funny part. Our first date, we got hit by a Comcast truck while sitting at a stoplight. Wow. We stayed on an overpass for like four hours the first day we ever met. And then my jaw was like messed up. So I was in chiropractic care for five days a week for wow. weeks and weeks. And then Comcast called me, paid for the bills, and gave me money for pain and suffering. And I was like, well, that's nice of you. And I just put it in a bank account. Eventually that ended up being our wedding money. And so we laughed that our first date paid for our wedding. So that's awesome. And that's you can go to Comcast. Part. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you need wedding money, we know where to find it, right? He was texting and driving. Oh, it's terrible. So, Don't do that. Don't do that. You know, we're just going to pray that. the blood of Jesus. Did so you have anything to add, William, or is she pretty much summed up? Just, that's it. Okay. That's perfect. Um, so, guys, how did you end up here at Oasis Church? Um, and one or two, uh, we talked about five, and we, but what, maybe one defining moment for you guys. You, so, you came, but after that point, talk some about that journey. Yeah, so um, I, I, was, I was here uh, before we got married. In 2010, I became one of the associate pastors here. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2013, uh, we got married, and seven months, actually, we dated, we got married, and we took over the leadership of the church yeah. uh, in 2013. Um, so I was a missionary, and she was in Nashville, and uh, so we've been pastoring since then. Okay. Defining moment is, um, so we really didn't have a plan to become lead pastors of a church. So it was like one day, the elders came to me and said, hey, 
uh, this thing is coming to you. Um, you know, we prayed and we met and we felt like um, we should call you on Shiloh to lead the church. Uh, pray about it. So we prayed and uh, we took over the church. And we didn't even have a mission statement. Mm. It wasn't a church plan that we kind of work ourselves through. You know, it was like no mission statement and nothing. I was, uh, I was the only full-time pastor. And we started praying, uh, God, what is the mission of this church? And God led us to First um, Corinthians 13, um, love. And Paul, you know, all these things, Paul said, look, faith, hope, and love. And, uh, and for us, it was just so powerful. Mm-hmm. And personally, connecting back to the day that God called me into ministry, and Paul said, the greatest of this is love. Right. So our mission statement became grow faith, give hope, and go love, love the that. world in the name of Jesus. So that was really profound um, for us. I love that. You know, love is one of those things, and we've talked about it here. You know, to some people, it's something very flimsy. It's like, I oh, just love, you know. But for both of you, um, I have had a chance, and our congregation will get to see that fleshed out. When you talk about love in the face of persecution, a very real thing that you experienced, William, you talk about love in loving the vulnerable and the marginalized. And you guys, and I want you to know as a congregation that, William and Shiloh have been leaders in the West Orange County community among all churches on loving vulnerable people, um, whether it was at the border um, and seeing what you guys did there, um, having rise conversations on, on racial justice and got to be part of those with you on several occasions. Um, but that's a very real and substantive thing and I want people to know that, that it is the love of Christ in you that compels you. And that is also what compels you to do what you guys are doing in the world. And so talk a little bit about both Jobs Partnership, the work in Nigeria. I want our people to hear that. So yeah, so one of the, uh, the cool parts about partnering is just the fact that, you know, on our heart for so many years, I mean, William was a missionary in several countries, and I was a missionary in 14 countries before we had even met, and our heart is international, our heart is for the nations, and God just so happened to have put us in this place of leading a church, and so we were like always saying, okay, you know, we're leading the church, but to be the hands and feet of Jesus missionally. And just recently, we've really felt like God said, you know, I'm building up some things in Nigeria, and I currently work as a director of operations of a nonprofit here in Orlando, a Christian nonprofit called Jobs Partnership, where we empower churches to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the unemployed here in our community. And these things have really started growing for us, and I'll let him talk more about Nigeria. But in that, we've learned and realized that, like, how do we kind of create a team that that we're not spread so thin that we're able to focus on the things God is now building up in these places and that we know there's a pastor that's loving on our people. And so that's kind of where this partnership and, and friendship came in. But he's got greater explanation of Nigeria. <laughs> so in Nigeria, I started speaking to all uh, some of the colleagues that we went to college together. I graduated college uh, about 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. And some of them, when I call them, they, they would tell me they don't have jobs. Mm-hmm. And I go, 16 years now? Mm-hmm. Um, so God started stirring something in our heart. You know, we've done <clears throat> mission trips uh, from Oasis. We went to Uganda, went to Nigeria, and all of that was great. But God really started speaking to us about what about creating something that is sustainable? Um, so we started exploring ideas of what can we do sure. to create jobs for people. So we discovered that we can actually, God has given us the ability to start mm-hmm. businesses. Uh, so we opened our first business uh, last year in August, and we were able to provide jobs for 28 people. Mm. 
Um, and then I went back in November, and then we started um, a, a mobile car wash, and we were able to hire four people. Mm -hmm. And I came back, started sharing with somebody, actually Shiloh connected with that person, and the guy was like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, he said, when your husband come back, I want to meet with him immediately. So I met with him, and he said, you know, I want to... Uh, expand that and uh, so I went back in January and started another one with another so from August to end of January we created about 36 jobs and uh, well like, you know what um, this is this is yeah. good yeah. this is good this is something that we can yeah we can we can do this we started asking what about a hundred jobs by the end of 2021 yeah. you know so yeah. and that just lead to the point where I was going to Nigeria a lot, and, uh, and we know that God is doing some amazing things through Oasis in this city, and we want that to continue, mm -hmm. and we also want God to continue what he's doing in Nigeria, and then that started a conversation mm -hmm. about the, the partnership. That's right, yeah. So for some reason, Urban Flats has been kind of our, our spot. This is, so I met William. We're doing all kinds of plugs. These are, we're not getting paid for these, but yeah. <laughs> downtown Winter Garden, uh, William, you and I met probably three years ago now. Um, and, and I just immediately experienced what you're experiencing, which is just a guy that's so much more about kingdom than about his church, you know, um, and doing mission work and loving and expressing the heart of Jesus to the world, proclaiming the gospel. Um, and so right off the bat, it was like, man, this is going to be a great guy to be. And we did food drives and, and various things. We're part of a Horizon West pastors group that meets, um, met more before COVID, but met regularly. Um, but there was a second conversation uh, that was more recent, and it was the two of you, me and my wife, Nikki, um, and we didn't know that was a job interview, but it, it, it ended up kind of being, and, and it was a great opportunity for us to hear each other's hearts more deeply and hear some of these things um, that, that we didn't know about you guys and vice versa, um, which led to the conversation then, William, that you and I had. Um, anything that you guys want to share about that part of the journey, and then uh, we're going to jump to the last question uh, for the sake of time. So. I mean, for simple, for us, they had no idea, you know, what God had been laying on our hearts, and we've had, you know, several churches want to merge with us, and we just felt in our spirit it wasn't necessarily time or right, and, but we started noticing Chris and Nikki and their team just really showing up and doing the work of social justice, showing up to rise conversations on race and unity, walking with us to stand for love and peace and unity, and, you know, even having conversations online, and some of them are difficult, and we were like, what's in it for them? Hmm. Like, who are these people? What's in it for them? So we're like, let's go to let's go to uh, lunch, and we just learned so much about them. And like, that was the first time I had met Nikki, and just her heart for social justice and um, serving, you know, populations that are under resourced. And for us, it was confirmation that like, oh my gosh, these are our like like soul family. Mm -hmm. these, these are our people. Mm -hmm. And that's, and we didn't say anything in that no, meeting, right. but we were just praying and we're like, it was so much confirmation to us. And so then eventually those conversations began developing, but we just, it was tons of confirmation that like our people and our team will be loved. And this is the right connection. These are the right people. They're doing the work. They're caring. They're stepping in the gap. They're being hands and feet of Jesus to this community. And so um, that's kind of where it all started. You have anything else? I mean, Urban Flats has great French fries, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah. And then William, obviously just, you know, that, that next, I think it was the very next day that you and I met and I got to hear what God was doing in, in greater detail. And I, I resonated, William, because I was in a situation 13 years ago or something, 11, 12 years ago, of knowing that God was calling me to a, a unique new expression of ministry 
but having people that I'm like, but it's really important to me that these people are cared for. And, and I want you to know that for us as an entire congregation and our leadership team, you know, that, that's something we step into with a lot of, um, I don't even know the word, but, but we take it very seriously um, that, that you guys would put that trust there and that, that we would have the honor and the privilege of, of seeing those two congregations come under uh, one and, and be one. And so um, I'm gonna end with this. I have one other question I'm not gonna get to, but I wanna just ask this. How can we pray for you guys? How can we pray for you, your family? Oh, tell us about the family and then answer that question. Tell us about the kids. We have a three-year-old and a six-year-old. Our three-year-old is Teso Zakaya, and um, we call him Tay. He looks like a mini version of this guy, except with a little lighter complexion. And, uh, and then we have Sam Bay Courage. She's six, and she's going to be the next preacher up here. She's either that or the president, because she's got, she's got all the stuff going on. Um, and uh, you can pray for us just that God's uh, direction, uh, his provision, his protection. William is uh, planning to head back to Nigeria in a couple weeks um, to continue to love on those people and expand the work that God is doing. So that, those would be some great prayers for us. You bet. Okay. Well, guys, I want to close with that. I want to pray. If you guys would, just where you're at, extend a hand toward these guys. I'm, I'm going to give voice to the prayer, uh, but join me in this prayer for them. Father, I thank you for William and Shiloh. God, I thank you for um, the incredible work, God, that as young, um, not even quite teenagers, they were called uh, to serve you, called to, to be a part of proclaiming the gospel to the world. And God, I, I've seen that firsthand, the way that they um, have stepped into those opportunities, the way that they have um, advanced your kingdom here in West Orange County and, and now even globally through uh, work in Nigeria and elsewhere. God, I pray um, just for your hand over them, God, for protection, God, as, as Shiloh mentioned. I pray uh, for Teso and Sambe. I pray, um, God, that you would uh, guard their hearts and raise them up, um, God, that they would grow in wisdom and stature and in the favor of God and man, um, and that, Lord, they would see firsthand uh, what it looks like when churches love one another, uh, when it's not standoffish, when it's not divisive, when it's not hurtful, but that church can be the place of healing, and a place where hope is birthed. God, that is our prayer. God, go before us. We're stepping into some unknown things, uh, but you are the God of all sovereignty, all providence, and you have gone before us, we, we believe. And we pray your blessing over this merge. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, guys, one more time. Help me thank them for being here. And as we dismiss, go ahead, you guys. Thank you. Um, I want to just say again, next Sunday, April 18th, you're not going to want to miss it, 9.30 or 11 o'clock uh, right here. We'll also be streaming that 9.30 service if you're an online uh, attendee. You saw that when you came in, you got a ticket. That was for a treat on the way out. And we didn't want to tell you up front, but that's because this is going to be our last Saturday night. We're calling it our So Long Saturday service. So get a treat on your way out. We will see you next Sunday. God bless you guys. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.